a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We talked about that $10 billion bipartisan coronavirus relief package that Congress negotiated earlier in the week. And just when you think things are going swimmingly and smoothly in Washington, D.C., not so fast, my friends. There's always a snag, and there appears to be several of them. Faith Abube, Emmy and AP award-winning investigative journalist for ABC News, joins us on the line to help us break that all down. Faith, thanks for joining us, and uh, give us the update. It's, it's never as easy as it sounds at the beginning in the Senate. Right. You know, there are always plans and then they change. You know, the White (laughs) House is clearly frustrated by the delay that's happening on this COVID relief package. They are now accusing of uh, Republicans of moving the goalposts yet again on an agreement uh, that was made by that bipartisan group of senators you were talking about. They say this is something, you know, the White House says is completely independent of COVID and the response that needs to be had, the response that needs to go into uh, fighting this pandemic. So just moments Moments ago, during the White House press briefing, we saw Press Secretary Jen Psaki hold up a, a prop in her hand. She had a 385-page binder to show just the uh, amount of information that the administration has used to brief lawmakers so far to make it clear to them how urgent it is to pass this COVID relief package. You know, several COVID relief programs are running out of money. So take, for example, the program that allows uninsured Americans to get COVID vaccines for free. You know, that is running out of money this week. And so Democrats in the White House, they were hoping that before lawmakers leave Washington for a two-week recess on Friday, that they can actually pass a bill to replenish these programs that are running out of money. Well, we're here now, days away from that recess, and there appears to be the stalemate that's happening. You have rumblings among uh, House Democrats who want to see more money put towards global pandemic aid. And now you have GOP lawmakers in the Senate who say they won't allow this $10 billion uh, bill the bipartisan group of senators uh, agreed on to pass until they actually get votes on multiple amendments. One of the amendments, of course, that they're asking for is on Title 42. That, of course, is the Trump era COVID restriction at the border that allows border agents to turn away migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border because of a public health emergency, while the Biden administration plans to lift that in May. And so Republicans are saying, no, don't do away with Title uh, 42. You actually need it in place uh, because if you take it away, you're opening our borders. Well, the White House and the Senate Majority Leader say that You know, Title 42 has nothing to do with COVID. Chuck Schumer told Republicans not to hold up to this critical aid for Americans because uh, of this fight over Title 42. Well, now he's in a tough spot because there are actually a few moderate Democrats who agree with the Republicans Mm -hmm. that Title 42 should actually stay in place. And so in order for this COVID bill to pass, all the Democrats in the Senate need to vote for it. 
And they also need the support of 10 Republicans in addition to that in order for this to move along. So you're quickly seeing that the math really isn't adding up, right? It's yeah. not looking good at this point. Yeah, that's such a, a fascinating thing. And, of course, the, the shoe goes back and forth uh, depending on whose bill and uh, what's being negotiated there. Of course, the Republicans were whining and complaining uh, about many of the things that were in the infrastructure bill uh, that didn't seem to have anything to do with infrastructure. And then you go through that battle back and forth. Now the Democrats are saying, hey, Title 42 has nothing to do uh, with this uh, pandemic relief that we've got to get to and, and keep those things funded. Uh, so those... Those battles continue to happen, which is why I think you should only deal with one subject at a time. I think that should be an easy way to <laughs> to solve that. Uh, but I think the, the interesting thing, Faith, and I'd love your perspective on this, uh, you mentioned that everyone wants to get out of town uh, for that two-week recess. And uh, we always say that the, the greatest lubricant to getting a deal done is the, the jet fumes from the airplanes <laughs> at Reagan International Airport. Uh, are the jet f- fumes going to be enough? Uh, to get this across, in addition to what you mentioned, uh, is also the really crucial vote, and that is on Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson's nomination to the Supreme Court. So we've actually been waiting for more, you know, detailed direction on that. Um, you know, as far as we know, they're still on track. Uh, they had some procedural things that they needed to do um, in order for this to come up for a vote in the full Senate. And so they've been trying to do that. And today, I believe, was one of those days where they couldn't actually take action on anything related to the um, uh, that uh, confirmation um, here, um, the, the vote that's coming up. And so tomorrow they'll pick up again that procedural uh, process. And we're expecting at this point, either sometime tomorrow or by Friday, uh, the end of the day, Friday, for that full Senate vote to happen. Of course, as you know, Democrats were staying united. They are waiting to vote to confirm Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson. They don't need a Republican buy-in in order for this to happen. However, you've already seen three Republicans have come out announcing that they plan to support her confirmation as well. So they have the votes. All they have to do is bring it up to the floor for a vote, and that will be um, something that we'll be watching for in terms of timing on that. Yeah, so fascinating. And uh, kind of bringing it full circle back to the uh, the $10 billion of COVID relief package. Uh, anything interesting in terms of those negotiations? Uh, is there a scenario where you could see them call up some amendments, amendments that uh, you know would certainly get voted down, but would probably be tough votes for some of those Democrats in those moderate districts uh, during an election year? Exactly. You know, some of these moderate Democrats are supporting um, the Republicans on this, on this, especially the Title 42 uh, amendment, because they are in uh, tough re-election fights right now. But the reality is, even if Democrats manage to appease Republicans and get this passed in the Senate, as Penny Hoyer, the House Majority Leader, says that there's frustration among House Democrats right now over that global pandemic aid that's not in this $10 billion package. And so these frustrated Democrats, they want an additional $5 billion that would go to vulnerable countries, about 20 or 30 of them, where they could fund vaccine programs, testing and other pandemic efforts. That is not included in this $10 billion negotiated package. So Steny Hoyer is saying that even if that package were to pass the Senate and come over to the House, it could, you, he could lose one or two Democrats um, in, in the vote in the House. And they can't afford to lose their own members on this. They need to stay united on this. They have a razor-thin margin. So while this goes back and forth, the larger picture is that these programs are running out of money and some of them are running out of money this week. Yeah. 
Great insight as always. Uh, Faith Abube joining us from ABC News. Uh, Faith, always appreciate your reporting and your perspective on this. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, as, as Faith noted there, this is a, a really complicated uh, little needle to thread here coming down the home stretch. Again, members of Congress want to get out of town. Most of them would really be happy if they could leave on the Thursday afternoon flight out of Washington Reagan International Airport. Uh, that might very well be the lubricant that works out some sort of deal. Uh, you get the, the planes revved up and the jet fumes uh, kind of waft their way across the Potomac. And amazingly, deals get done at the last minute. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. As Faith said, some of these programs are running out of money. Uh, it will run out uh, over the course of the two-week recess when both the House and the Senate uh, will not be in session. Uh, and then, of course, they've got to balance that uh, with all the things that have to take place procedurally to get to a final vote on Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson being confirmed to the United States Supreme Court. So we're going to continue to to watch that over the next 24 to 36 hours. My my guess is it gets done. I think both of these things will, will take place before... Uh, the uh, the recess begins. They may be held over into Friday, which will be inconvenient for some of them uh, as they start that recess period. But I think uh, by the time we get to midday on Friday, everything will be done and everyone will be on their way out of Washington, D.C. Uh, and on to their home states and whatever they got going during the recess. All right, we'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. Coming up, this is a great story. Utahns are coming together to help Ukrainian children fleeing war. Cindy Merrill joins us next with details of Operation Little Vittles 2. Stay with us. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.